Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello and welcome to the Game Day podcast from TalkSport as we look forward to a full weekend of Premier League games in the company of the assistant editor of The Mirror, Darren Lewis and TalkSport's Alex Crook from Russia with no love lost. Chelsea stutter in St. Petersburg. Can they get back on track with a visit from old foes Leeds? Ralph's ready to shoot down the Canaries live on TalkSport as he gets his little birdies off to fly in midweek. Steven Gerrard goes back to Anfield on the back of three wins in four matches. And Manchester City looks to take their midweek frustrations out on Wolverhampton Wanderers. Tottenham might play, but then again, they might not. With no fewer than 17 COVID cases and counting, the best way to take in the Premier League, and like Timo Werner's tap-in in midweek, you can't miss it. It's the Game Day Podcast from TalkSport. This is Game Day. Hello to Darren Lewis and Alex Crook. Are we feeling festive? I can see uh, Darren's got a little Christmas tree in the background there. Uh, all ready for a bump, a couple of weeks of Christmas action? I am indeed. Um, I am going to have a Christmas party. There might be cheese. Oh, am I allowed to say anything? What's the answer for that? Um, everybody working from home? Is that is that okay? Or are we heading to a Christmas party? Or are we doing both? Just checking. Um, in fact, actually, the question really is, is will we get a, a bumper set of Christmas fixtures? Because as we talk right now, there's a row going on, isn't there, between UEFA and Spurs. Spurs' next couple of fixtures are up in the air. They called off their Europa League fixture on Wednesday. UEFA insisted on Thursday it was going ahead. That despite Antonio Conte's side registry, I think 13 positive tests and counting. I said 17 in the introduction, but I think that's because every five minutes it, it gets a little bit larger depending on who you talk to. What is the current situation? Does anybody know? Uh, well, it, it's uh, it's clouded, shall we say that. Um, I got the information on Wednesday evening, actually towards the end of the United uh, Champions League game, which was dire in the second half, that Tottenham were calling off this game. We then got the angry riposte from Wren suggesting that UEFA told them it was still going ahead, that they had already boarded the plane um, to fly over to North London. Listen, I can see both sides. I think that the whole reason that you have a squad is to cover for any number of absentees. I know that's certainly how Brighton feel going into the weekend. They've got an injury crisis themselves. They're ready to play the game. Um, they believe that Tottenham should as well. But then you've got the other element where Antonio Conte is saying that actually by doing training sessions with players who might possibly be carrying the virus but haven't yet tested positive. You're putting not only players in danger, but you're putting their loved ones at risk as well. So it's a very difficult situation. It is, but surely they have all been tested and, and have returned negative tests because everyone is tested prior to these huge games, especially if you've had an outbreak. So they'll know if anybody's carrying the virus or not, won't they, Darren? Won't, won't they? 
They will, in theory. I mean, listen, we, we can say what we like about the team, but Tottenham's training facilities are state-of-the-art. They've got the hotel there, the training ground as well, uh, just by the M25. So um, what they could contain this situation very well indeed. And I think the biggest headache that Spurs will have is that assuming they won't play a game before Liverpool on the 19th, because obviously you have to assume that there's going to be 10 days of isolation for the players who have, and staff who have tested positive. Um, they don't have any available dates to play in 2021. So they're going to be squeezing quite a few fixtures into um, January. Well, the rules are that they have to play this Europa League game before December the 31st, otherwise they forfeit the fixture. So they have to play this between now and New Year's Eve. I was just looking at the squad that Spurs have registered for the Europa, Europa Conference League. I always get confused about what this competition is called. Um, but they've got quite a lot of players registered. I think I just counted 35 players that w- were registered. And a bit like Manchester United on Wednesday night, they they could just play a load of kids, couldn't they, just to fulfil the fixture? What, why wouldn't you do that? I don't understand. I, I think Conte wouldn't want to do that because he's a winner. To me, I mean, I've been <laughs> it's surprised. not really the rules, though, is it? You know, I, 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 I've been. This guy celebrates goals as though they're the winning goal in the Champions League final. I, I think, as far as he's concerned, any competition he's in, he's in it to win it. And so I don't think he would want to just chuck a few kids in and just get rid of it. I don't think he... At first, I thought to myself, in their list of priorities, it doesn't really matter if they forfeit the fixture, he'll just move on. I actually think he wants to win the competition and create that culture of winning within the club that just isn't there. Yeah, but as Crook has already said, Brighton want to, to make sure they finish in the top half of the table. They want to make sure they, they post a win. They've got an injury crisis. You know, they haven't fought, they can't forfeit the game at, at the weekend. But you none know, of I, this I, is Tottenham's fault though, Sam. I mean, I, I think... None of it's, no, I understand that, I completely get that, but none of it is anybody's fault, is it? I and mean, you have to deal with the circumstances that you're mm. given. Yeah, I agree. What's the, I, I what's agree. the difference, Darren, between having eight players unavailable due to COVID and having eight players injured or suspended? You take yeah, but, but, if you but, take but, away the health risk that Antonio Conte has talked about, and you've already said that Tottenham's training ground should be equipped enough to keep everybody safe, there isn't a difference. But, but, well, if, if eight players are injured or suspended, there's no possibility of them being a, a risk to anyone, a health risk of anyone. That is true. That is true. Whereas yeah. if any players have the virus, tested positive, whatever, you still don't know what the situation is regarding any of the other players who may have been in contact with them. So there are all sorts of associated risks with that. So I don't think the two are comparable. Does this bring into light again the the discussion that's been had in the past about whether or not Tottenham should now say how many of these uh, absentees have had the vaccination? I I have to be honest and say I'm not in favour of forcing people to have vaccinations um, at the cards on the table. I, I think that our duty is to educate and inform, but I don't think you could you sh- could or should make decisions like this mandatory. Everyone is different. Everyone has their own point of view. I'm sure the people listening to this have their own points of view, and I think that they should be free to make those decisions themselves. I think the, the other big issue which is going to come uh, about whatever happens here, if they're made to play it, then that creates a precedent going forward for other competitions, I think, as well, which is going to impact heavily on the Christmas schedule because, you know, with what is happening at the moment and infection rates rising everywhere, there's a high degree of possibility that that will bleed into football. 
therefore we could see quite a lot of disruption over the Christmas period where everything is so very, very congested. If they are allowed not to play the game and they have ruled this one out and Sunday's game, it causes another issue in terms of how long before we get uh, an, another batch of positive tests that lead to more postponements and they're where do you put those fixtures? So it's going to come with dilemmas, no matter the circumstances. And as we said right at the very top, it's no one's fault, but how you deal with it is going to be important going forward. Going forward, we've got a bumper game day. Uh, we're going to uh, Manchester City against Wolves on Saturday. Chelsea leads and to Carrow Road for Norwich against Manchester United. Pookie! The performances are the thing for me that build up the confidence and um, they seem to be doing that now. They, they, they seem to be more than a confident enough group. And wait for it, Fred with his right foot fires one into the top corner. Absolutely superb finish. The Ranić reign has begun. The whole team defended extremely well. As I said, positively surprised. I didn't expect them to be able to play intensity-wise on that kind of level. Further up the field they go. Fernandes with the ball towards Ronaldo. He hits it first time. What a volley, what a goal. Having seen Cristiano yesterday in the second half, at his age, I've never seen a player who is still that physically fit. Ralph Ranić has overseen a win over Crystal Palace and a draw against young boys with a lot of young boys in the team. The big hitters had the night off in midweek. They'll be refreshed and ready to press Norwich into oblivion at Carrow Road. Or will Dean Smith's side have a plan to deal with that, Darren Lewis? Well, I think overall Dean Smith's side have far more belief than they did over the last than they had had over the last four or five months. So I think it will be a different game to the one we expect. Firstly, on paper and B had Dean Smith not taken over from Daniel Farke. That said, the rest that Manchester United's players have had will be welcome and it will enable them to go into this game full of energy and with the ability to do what Rangnick wants from them. Yeah, um, he was a little unhappy that his team didn't press enough in midweek against young boys. Diallo and Greenwood played well for Manchester United. Greenwood's finish for the goal with the cross just slightly behind him was brilliant. Great adjustment to his footwork and then the inventive Instinctive finish. Um, but Neil Custis in the Sun this week said this about another Manchester United player who was trying to catch the manager's eye in midweek. Idolised by the fans for some reason, nobody seems to explain. He is apparently the answer to United's lack of creativity in midfield, except he's not. In fact, he's not very good. Who's he talking about? Well, he's talking about Donny van der Beek. And I have to say, I agree with him. He's given the goal away. It was an opportunity for him to really shine, really impose himself, really be the leader of a young team. I'm not sure he did any of those things. He was okay in the first half, no more than that. Um, I do find it a bit incredible that he's already got his own song at Old Trafford. That must be some kind of record for the player who's played the fewest minutes for a club to get their name sung by the fans. I don't think he's the answer to that creative problem. And it wasn't just him, by the way. It was a big opportunity for Aaron Wambasaka as well, particularly how well Diogo Dallo played at the weekend. Wambasaka was dreadful. I mean, that will just underline to Ralph Ranić that he isn't the marauding flying fullback that he wants. And uh, I think Dallo was the big winner on the night. Good players don't become bad ones overnight. And I think... Donny van der Beek did enough at Ajax to suggest that he does need a run of games. He had, he had hardly any minutes under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. 
yes, okay, you say he had the chance to become a leader, but he did. I don't necessarily think he came there to become a leader as such. I think he just came there to be able to play his game. And I think when you surround him with more experienced players, I think you'll see a very different Donny van der Beek. And I think with Aaron Wan-Bissaka, again, he's a good player that hasn't become bad overnight, but his confidence is gone and that's going to need a bit of building up. And I think once that does get building up, and I think Rangnick's the right man to do it, you'll see a different Wan-Bissaka. Let's not write these players off too soon. He's a good player, but he's not a Manchester United player, in my opinion. And he's not... A, a, you said he's that not, about he, Lukaku and then Lukaku went to Inter Milan and won the league and then suddenly said, oh, if we hadn't already signed Lukaku, we'd be saying to the Manchester United, okay, why can't we sign Lukaku? Come on. I'm not sure you would on, on, on current form, to be honest. Um, Van der Beek, yeah, he did, well, he did, he did in well in Holland. He did well in Holland. So did Alfonso Alves, by the way. So did Luis Suarez, by the way. Oh, hold on, he's caught you there. Um, uh, Norwich are, are back on the bottom of the table, uh, but largely undone by counter-attacks uh, against Spurs. Timo Pukki scored three and five, but missed a big chance against Tottenham Hotspur. But that was their first defeat under Dean Smith. So is this the uh, new manager bounce, Darren, that Crook doesn't believe in? Norwich got five points in three games since he walked in the door. Or will they be able to sustain it, do you think, and, and make a, a challenge to stay in the league? I don't think they'll be able to sustain it against Manchester United um, because I think Manchester United forward line is too good. And I think it'll be a very similar story to last weekend. Norwich were Tottenham's equal, but they can't finish their chances. Dean Smith needs new strikers if he's going to stay in the league. Um, And uh, I think as far as United are concerned, if they work hard, do what Rangnick wants, take their chances, they'll win. Um, Hakim Ziyech, another player who thrived in Dutch football and then has come and done quite well in the Premier League. Um, Ali Reza Jahambash, who was the top scorer in the Eredivisie before he came to the Premier League. That, that worked out well. Where, where's he now? <laughs> so, Sebastian Allaire's doing very well in the Dutch League. Yeah, I think he swings and roundabouts. I, I, it would be interesting to hear, actually, from uh, our listeners, at Sam Adderface, at Mira Darren, at uh, Alex underscore Crook. Uh, players that have done extremely well in Holland and then have done very well in um, the Premier League. We'd love to hear from you. Um, loads of them. I can't <laughs> believe you to give us that open goal. Did Jan Venegor of Hesselink play in the Premier League? Jan Venegor of Hesselink. I think he played for Celtic. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Pierre Hoy- <laughs> van Hoydonk. Far too yeah. easy, Alex. <laughs> Chelsea's, <laughs> Chelsea's worst ever signing, Winston Boharder. Uh, did well in, in Dutch football and then uh, basically did very well out of the Premier League by flying in on a Monday morning and out on a Friday afternoon training didn't, in Chelsea on 45 grand a week or something. Didn't Ruud van Nistelrooy score one or two goals in Holland? He was all right, Ruud van Nistelrooy. I think he was bad. okay. Yeah. He was okay. Yeah. What Didn't Norwich have a Dutch striker last time they were stinking out the Premier League as well? Ricky van Wolfswinkel. That's him. I don't know if he was Dutch though, was he? Was he Dutch? I don't know. Anyway. Uh, the, he sounds United- Dutch. United have won the last four trips to Carrow Road. Do you think uh, that you can tell me the last Norwich Sea striker to score a winning goal at Carrow Road against Manchester United? Can you do it? I think it was a 1-0 defeat. It was. Crikey, that is a good question. Attention. Wasn't Dean Ashton, was it? It wasn't Dean Ashton, no. Chris Sutton. It wasn't Chris Sutton. It's more recently than that. More recent, yeah. Maybe about 10 years ago, something like that. I'll tell you what. 
Keep it in your brain and see if you can answer it. And I will uh, give you another opportunity in the next few minutes. Um, that's our 5.30 game, Norwich against Manchester United. Chelsea leads at three o'clock on TalkSport 2. Uh, they failed to win four of the last seven Chelsea in all competitions. They dropped to second in the Champions League group. They're struggling to keep a pace, uh, which is being set by Liverpool Manchester City. Why? I think they've had a lot of injuries. I think they've, they are missing badly N'Golo Conte. Uh, Kante, mm-hmm. rather. Um, I think N'Golo Kante, it, it, it kind of underlines why it was madness. You said it right the first time, by the way. It's definitely N'Golo Conte. Conte, I was, I was right, wasn't I? Yeah, you were, right. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think it was. It underlines, his absence underlines why it was such madness to have George, the idea that Jorginho is the third best player in the world because wherever Jorginho is, Kante is above him. And I think when you look at the, the teams that Kante has played in and what he's done for those teams, you see how just how, how undervalued his contribution is despite all he's done. And you know even the good things that are being said about them, they're not good enough because he is a wonderful, wonderful player who does the job of two, possibly even three people. Yeah. Chelsea are missing him big time at the moment. Well, they, it, he didn't ever get injured before he came to Chelsea, uh, but now they can't get him fit. And they haven't been able to get him fit for the last two years. It's been a, a real problem. Um, I wonder how much of that is down to being overused. I look at Jorginho, he's been overused and now he's having his problems. They experimented with Rhys James in there on Wednesday. Matteo Kovacic has been injured. He's now returned and got COVID. So he's going to be out for at least 10 days. Saul has been a waste of a loan, really, because it just hasn't worked. He's not up to speed. Barkley's come back into the picture. That blend in midfield has been a problem since the beginning of the season. I mentioned it to you, I think, after the second or third game of the campaign, saying it was an issue for Chelsea. The big bonus they've had is the return of Loftus-Cheek, who has been important, and he's been very, very good, by the way. Um, It's something they need to sort. That balance has got to somehow sort itself out. And is it an issue with squad depth as well when you compare it to, well, certainly Manchester City, but possibly Liverpool? They've got a lot of players that you've just mentioned there, but... Is Ross Barkley the type of player that's going to win you the Premier League title if he plays on a regular basis? They still haven't really found a backup option to Lukaku as he feels his way back to full fitness. I think for I, me, that's where Chelsea just fall a little bit short, despite the fact they've spent so much money over I the last few that. transfers. I don't know about you, Darren. I can't have that. I think they've spent a lot of money and they've got a lot of good players there, good quality players that people would love. I mean, I like the Liverpool squad at the moment. I think it looks it's got a good balance to it, but there's a lot of young players in that Liverpool squad that are, are there to prop up uh, in backup positions, Chelsea have got just have got established internationals in backup positions. Darren, yeah, I mean, it, it, I've used this line before, so anyone who's heard me use it, apologies. But Chelsea have got a, a squad like a Christmas hamper, and I, I can't have the idea that that, that squad depth is an issue uh, until now. When they were in that wonderful run, everyone was saying, "Oh, Chelsea squad the best in the Premier League," and then they have one or two dodgy results, and suddenly. The idea is that they don't have any squad depth. I, I can't go along with that because I just think that they'd gone on that fine run without their one hundred million pound striker who was injured, and many people thought at that point they'd struggle. But you got some terrific players who can't get a game at Chelsea. So no, I, I, I can't go along with that. I just think it's about Canty on one hand, and also in, I just think maybe the standards have dipped a little bit. I just look at the desire against Watford and there, there wasn't that sharpness that I'd seen in previous games. They were unlucky against West Ham because that was a that was an attempted cross that basically, I'm not having that. But um, I think, sorry, I, I, 
a, a peeled back an old scab uh, and I can see how distressed you are, Sam. But I just think as far as Chelsea are concerned, they're better than they're playing and they've just got to make sure their standards get back to what they were. What about the contract situation with, with one or two players? Is that possibly causing a bit of unrest in the camp? I mean, uh, you mentioned to me that Christensen, Sam, didn't cover himself in glory in midweek. We know there's a, an ongoing contract dispute there. And a similar situation with uh, Rudiger as well. So could that be an issue? And Afbilicueta. Uh, Afbilicueta is out of contract to the end of the uh, the season. Maybe it does feel a little bit unsettled. Uh, I mean, yeah, the Christensen situation is what it is. I mean, he obviously wants to move. Just let him. Um, Rudiger is slightly different. He's obviously played brilliantly for Chelsea this season. He's been a vital part of their success. So... You know, I suppose it depends whether or not they give him the, what he wants, which is to be one of the best played players at, at the at the team. Um, if if Chelsea were a Christmas hamper, then would they be a Fortnum and Masons Christmas hamper? And and what would Liverpool be in in in, in comparison? Would there be a Selfridges one and Manchester City a Harrods Christmas hamper? I'm not rich enough to know what is in any of those hampers, but clearly you <laughs> don't you, look, don't you, give us that. Place don't give me. us that. You, 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 you've, you've got more Christmas hampers uh, than Boris Johnson. Um, right, OK. On the plus side, Timo Werner has scored two good goals in midweek and they needed that, Chelsea. Uh, Leeds United, what, what Christmas hamper would they be in terms of squad depth? An empty one, I think. Liddles at the moment. <laughs> um, we were talking again, weren't we, uh, in midweek and I think we both fear for Leeds a bit. Calvin Phillips out for two months is a massive blow. We saw Liam Cooper hobble off at the weekend and... I was told that Patrick Bamford had injured himself celebrating that late goal, tweaked his hamstring, so he won't be available for this weekend either. And again, we talk about squad depth. They just haven't got it, Leeds. Um, they played Tyler Roberts as a false number nine at the weekend. He got his goal, but he isn't going to score enough goals to keep them in the Premier League. They need Phillips and Bamford fit and firing along with Rafinha for me to pick up victory. So I think it's a big problem for Marcelo Bielsa and one they might have to address in the January transfer window. Wolves against Manchester City is our lunchtime offering on Saturday. Wolves did well against Liverpool last week, but they will find it a little bit harder on the road against Manchester City, who are back on top. City have won seven in a row now. Uh, but Wolves can bank up and look to strike. Well, sort of. They don't really actually strike. They just bank up. Uh, they're very well organised. They keep your arms length. They're decent with the ball, but they never really hit you hard on the counter. They've scored one goal, Darren, in 508 minutes of football. I mean, you could say City conceded against Watford, so there's an opportunity for, for Wolves to score in the game. But do you think that they can pierce the City defence? Well, look, the, actually, you've answered your own question in some respects in so much as I think Wolves will go into this game hoping to stay tight, secure, and ensure that a City side that can score from anywhere don't manage to get past them. They only conceded the other day against Liverpool in the last, the very last minute, what, 94th minute or so? And I think so again, lucky. So lucky, weren't they, Darren? No, no, Were you no, prepared no, to admit that? a way to win. And that's what <laughs> teams do. Your Chelsea side might want to try it once or twice. Um, <laughs> listen, I, I think when you're playing City, your owners, your, 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 you should be thinking about not conceding. Um, first of all, if you're going to stay in a match. And I think that's what Wolves will look to do. Listen, a few of us didn't know that much about Bruno Lage before this season, but we know that he's got some good ideas in terms of the way he likes to play the game. He set the team up well. They're in good shape at the moment. They've drawn two of the last three. Before that, they'd won five of the previous seven. And I, I think that, I think City will win, but I think what Wolves will look to do is frustrate them. 
Yeah, I don't think it'll be a hiding. And uh, actually, I think Bruno Large deserves an awful lot of credit for maximising that Wolverhampton Wanderers squad. He didn't do much surgery in the summer. They're still too reliant on Raul Jimenez. If he doesn't score, nobody else does. Adama Traore, possibly the most frustrating player in the history of the Premier League uh, because he has all the attributes to be a real menace in that final third, but his decision-making is terrible. I could see Manchester City winning by two goals to nil, but I don't think it will be as one-sided as maybe it would have been when the teams met last season. Grealish got a lot of social media stick, shock, who doesn't, in midweek. Uh, let's, let's be a little bit constructive, though. Have his performances been up to scratch? No goals and one assist in the last 12 appearances for Manchester City. But I was looking at some of the other players across the league. You know, Kevin De Bruyne, Lukaku, Kane, Grealish, Maguire, Shaw to some extent, Calvin Phillips, Jorginho. These players who have had long summers and have been integral parts of their club's success or otherwise over the course of the last couple of years, are we starting to see the effects of all of the football that they have been playing over the last 18 months, two years? In a word, yes. I mean, you look at last year and the way that COVID meant that the football was spilling over into the autumn, uh, sorry, into the summer. I mean, you saw mm. games being played in the August and then we started six weeks later or something. Um, and then obviously we went all the way to the very end. You mentioned quite a few England players in that list and you mentioned a couple of Italian players as well. Well, who did England play in the final of the European Championship? So yeah, in a word, there are some big players who have had long 2021s. And I think, at some level, we are seeing the fallout from that because Jack Grealish is not a bad player. It's going to be a natural progression of his game anyway that Pep gets him scoring more goals. I don't think he's done that badly for me, but mm. I do think we are a public that likes to complain a lot, aren't we? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. 
Game day here, bringing you the very best of the action in the Premier League. It's always a thriller with Talk Sport. Oh, what a goal that is by Bernardo Silva. Curled into the top corner. It's better to be there than to be 10 or 15 points behind. It's better to be there, but a lot of games, tough game is coming. Jimenez now with a good ball into the air to find Wang. Wang shot and he scores. Mason Mount on the volley. What a goal for Chelsea. It's Leeds United 2, Brentford 2. It's come in the last second. We, we started this race as the Hunters and before the race is finished, we will we will be the Hunters. Chibu Puki with an absolute rocket of a shot. He's taking it on the volley. Fernandez with the ball towards Ronaldo. He hits it first time. What a volley, what a goal. Success can only be achieved with development and obviously there is still space for improvement. Never a dull moment on game day on TalkSport. Now we're always in danger of getting sentimental when an old legend goes back to a former home. Liverpool against Aston Villa gives us the opportunity to see Steven Gerrard uh, back at Anfield for the first time as a manager. And Aston Villa seemed to have gone north in terms of their performances since he took over three wins in four what's he done crook i think just by his pure personality he has got a reaction from the players steven gerrard a genuine uh, premier league icon although of course he never won the, the premier league we should remember that darren um but he is someone who will instantly <laughs> <laughs> instantly command the respect of the dressing room I think he's a decent tactician and I do think that Aston Villa under Steven Gerrard have looked uh, much more well-drilled, well-organised. They've been defensively more resolute and I think they might just cause his former club one or two problems this weekend. Am I allowed to go? There you go. <laughs> Darren, please have your two pennies worth before he, uh, I, the, I... the smug boy down on the south coast <laughs> cracks the camera with his smile. I, I saw a stat somewhere that, that impressed me quite a bit. Gerard prior Was it to... about Denver Bar? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to dignify Don't rise that. to the bait. Don't rise to the bait. Um, he'd only lost four out of 61 games as a manager prior to last week. Um, and that says a lot about the impact that he's had in his short spell as a manager. And there are very clear things that he's managed to establish since taking over as a manager. His authority, a very clear tactical plan and discipline within the dressing room. And that's why players not only want to play for him, but improve under him as well. And he's brought that to Aston Villa as well, because they look a different club to the one that lost five in a row and cost Dean Smith his job. And I think whatever happens at Liverpool, this will be a terrific game because he likes to play high octane football, get his fullbacks forward, get balls into the box, cause problems for the defenders. He will know all about the Liverpool mentality and the way that Liverpool like to play, of course, having played, um, having made himself a, a footballing legend at the club. So this should be a really, really fascinating game. Uh, Jurgen Klopp's side have scored 44 league goals in 15 games this season. I did them on Tuesday night away in AC Milan in a game that meant absolutely nothing, like nothing to them at all. They'd won the group. They, they were already through. They could have played all the kids and reserves and not worried. And then they came out and they absolutely bossed that match with Mane, with Salah, with Origi. I mean, it was it was frightening. I mean, Eight AC changes. Milan. Eight AC Milan against a team that are yeah. top of the Italian league. And, and, and had to win. So AC Milan had to win, and they're top of the Italian league. And Liverpool with their reserves and Mo Salah, who and Mane Salah was 
absolutely brilliant once again, were fantastic. And and that would worry me. I mean, there are it's unlikely that they're going to slip up against Aston Villa, Alex. Yeah, I think that AC Milan game probably just highlights the golfing class between the Premier League and a lot of the, the so-called European powerhouses. Um, I've just found a page on the TalkSport website that Darren might want to peruse, actually, uh, when he gets Ooh, an opportunity. Okay. We're obviously talking about an emotional return for, for Steven Gerrard. The atmosphere will be wonderful at Anfield. I'm sure he'll get a hero's welcome. Uh, the, the article is called 10 Rubbish Man United Players with More Premier League Medals Than Steven Gerrard. They include Luke Chadwick, <laughs> Darren Ferguson, Thomas Cusack, Ronnie Woolwork, Roy Carroll, Jordi Cruyff, and Darren Gibson. <laughs> I understand the relevance of that, but it's, gr- it's great. It's great that you've brought it up. Thank you very much. Talksport.com, by the way, uh, for more great insight like that. Uh, Arsenal against Southampton is also Saturday at three o'clock. Um, now, Arsenal, uh, yeah, let's just lay it on the line. They're not very good, are they? I mean, we've said it on this podcast since the beginning of time that uh, this whole sort of excitement that bursts into life as soon as they beat Burnley or Norwich or someone, you know, that that all of a sudden they've turned a corner. They seem to turn a lot of corners and end up smashing into a dead end because I was with Crook on Thursday night at the Manchester United game and I was like, you know, United were rubbish, but they're even worse. Um, and then I went, and on Monday night, they lost to Everton. I mean, and, and Everton are in absolute turmoil and didn't even play until the last 20 minutes of the game and still managed to beat Arsenal. I mean, as soon as they come up against anything, we, this is a phrase that we've used so often. I mean, if we're talking about hampers, I mean, seriously, I mean, there's not much in, in, in their little basket, is there? No, they'd, they'd probably be a Tesco hamper, actually. A Tesco's finest. Um, Tesco's because, finest? Yeah, because not, on the... Not the blue and white striped version. Well, no, I think, again, the, the lesser teams in the Premier League, they're, they're Tesco's finest. When they come up against the big guns, yeah, maybe they are uh, Tesco blue and white, Tesco saver. They were poor against Everton. No two ways about it. And Richarlison could have had a hat-trick, the two marginal offside calls. I, I like the fact that he posed, posed with a match ball afterwards <laughs> and was claiming a, a virtual hat-trick. But Mikel Arteta makes some baffling decisions um, taking off Tierney in that game to bring on Tavares, who again looks great against Burnley and Leeds, but he's, he's, he struggles up against anyone half decent down that side. Left, left it too late to bring on um, Aubameyang, despite the fact that Aubameyang is absolutely dreadful, particularly away from home. And they've just got a soft underbelly that will that will be cracked time and again this season. Darren Bent on the boot room is, is saying top six should be their priority. I think they'll be lucky to finish in the top eight. I find it hard to argue with that. I think the biggest thing about Monday night's game was that Everton wanted it more. And you can spend money, as much money as you want, but if you don't have that desire within your team, then you've got no chance. And I think, I look at all the players that Arteta's brought in. Ramsdale is a fantastic goalkeeper. Yeah, but elsewhere in the side, I'm not that impressed with one or Mm. two of the players that he's brought in. And I think that if you look at the teams that they'd beaten in this unbeaten run, some of them were Carabao Cup teams. Some of them were, uh, you had Leicester who didn't turn up in the first half. Aston Villa, who were in that poor run, couldn't defend. Spurs, who always lose to Arsenal. Newcastle, who were awful. They were AFC Wimbledon. Exactly. There were teams that Arsenal should be beating. But as soon as they step up in class, they get slaughtered or they get outfought. And that's why I think Alex is right. Yeah. And the balance at the back, which we were praising in during that run, you know, with the fullbacks, Tierney and uh, Tommy Asu. 
White and Gabriel started to form a decent partnership. That's all starting to Tom creep Yassu's good. a Tom little Yassu. bit now. He is. He's the best of that back four, without a doubt. He, he, you know, he's he's a good player, Tommy Yasu. But Tierney gets injured too much. Tavares is okay against modest opposition. The other two, depends on what day it is, to be honest with you. Um, They're easily Gary bullied. Lineker, Gary Lineker made uh, a, quite a lot of Tavares references when Nuno Tavares played well the other week. I don't know if you saw it on Match of the Day. He came out with all their songs, but he missed. He missed Heaven Must Be Missing an Angel. And I must admit, every time I see Tavares, I keep saying, oh, Heaven Must Be Missing an Angel. I did it all the way through the game. Yes, he did. The, I, I, the I, I, I can vouch for that. And it didn't get annoying at all for me or <laughs> anybody sat around us. I can promise you that. <laughs> anyway, uh, Brentford against Watford. And that's the best song that they've done. Uh, Brentford uh, against Watford is uh, also uh, this weekend. It's Friday night, actually. Um, so we'll quickly go through that one. Uh, Brentford, you never know what you're going to get with Brentford, do you really? I mean, they, I mean, they, they can be very good. And then that they end up throwing away the odd result. And it's a bit like that with Watford. They could be absolutely devastating in attack, especially away from home, actually. Oh, uh, Vicarage Road, as Crookie found out to his cost. Um, but then on the, another weekend, they can be uh, limp and impotent. What do we expect on this Friday night feast of football? Well, on paper, this is one of those games where the television company have clearly picked it <laughs> to get two teams out of the way that they don't necessarily want to put on a prime time slot. But I think is that all a... the fixtures this weekend? Because Palace <laughs> Everton is the 4.30 on a Sunday. Yeah, it's, it's one of those rubbish weekends in the build up to the Christmas period. But we're still giving all but 10 You can games. watch it all on talk. You can listen to it all <laughs> yeah. on TalkSport. You can't actually. You can only listen to the good ones weekend. on TalkSport. <laughs> only the good ones on TalkSport this weekend. Next week, by the way, when they're all cracking, belting fixtures, all 10 alive on TalkSport. Yeah. But I think this will be a better game, actually, than the neutral might expect because we know that Watford under Claudio Ranieri um, are very good going forward, not necessarily defensively. And we know that Brentford are a team who like to play as well. So I think there will be goals in this one. I'm not sure that Ivan Tony will be ready to return for the Bees. So that's obviously a big loss for them. Ishmael Assar has missed the last couple of games for Watford. He would be a great bonus to come back. But I do like that Watford front three uh, of Dennis, Saar, and Josh King, you know, that there are goals in, in that team. And this is a big game for Watford uh, because they're, they're not cut adrift. They're in danger of being cut adrift. But if they can pick up a win, they're suddenly right back in the fight for survival. Hello, Lucy. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. Are you in a festive mood? Uh, I am actually, yeah. I've, I've whacked the tree up. Okay. All right. Okay. It sounds delicate. Um, have you uh, have you decorated it? Of course, Sav. That's the process of putting up a tree in it. Actually, I quite like Darren's baubles. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy, Lucy, you're getting a little bit uh, too um, you know familiar. <laughs> uh, bearing in mind that you you've, you've now um, you, you've now betrothed, aren't you? you She's you're, loved you're, up. You're fully loved up. Well, uh, no, well. Hey! Oh. <laughs> Whoa. 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 Well, the, well, Crook's now seen him as well. Crook had a little Facebook stalk a minute ago. Yeah, we've all had a good look. He, he, looks, oh, a, right, so. he looks a very nice young man, Darren. Darren, we put the photo in the group. You can look at it. <laughs> so what have you got for us this week then, Lucy? Uh, a little bit of a love quiz as Brighton may entertain Tottenham, may not, depending on what happens over the next 24 hours. This could be the most pointless quiz since your appearance on The Chase, couldn't it? No, because the quiz <laughs> still exists, even if the game doesn't. 
can I just say, Darren, when we went to the Man United game, he sent oh, me a message in the morning saying that he had, quotes turned down the chance to appear on Pointless to it's take me to Old Trafford. And then my response was, if I were you, I'd have turned down the chance to appear on Pointless because you were so rubbish on the chase. Nothing to do with me going to Old Trafford, by the way. It was a chance to redeem myself, actually. it was. I was going to be teamed up with Carl Fogarty on Pointless, and I said, no, I'm going to spend the evening with Alex Crook. He's quite short as well, isn't he? What, Alex I, I Crook? Feel, no. I feel like I'm at one of those dinners where the couple that invited me and my wife are arguing amongst us. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Lucy, quiz time. Come on. Right, Darren, I'm going to start with you. Okay. What is Tottenham's lowest finish in the Premier League era? Oh, oh my word. Your, your was, patch, isn't it? You covered them for a long time. Well, you should I've covered know them this. since 2005. But yeah, obviously, 16 years, yeah. Yeah, but then there is a few years before that. That might be a little bit of. I'm going to go. 11th. Crook. I don't think they were great when the Premier League first started. I would say 12th. 14th. Oh, you were close, Sam, but it's actually 15th. In that first season, when there were 22 teams, was it? Uh, that was in the 1993-94 season. Oh, second season. Wow. Okay. Question right. number two. Sam, how many national team players does Brighton currently have in their squad? <laughs> God. Well, they have. I always have to go through it. Um, Hanbach plays for Iran. He's not there anymore, by the way. He's on loan somewhere, though, isn't he? I think they sold him. You sure? Mm. All right, well, well, get rid of him then. Um, Dunk obviously has played for England, hasn't he? Did he play one game for England? Yeah, he's that... played once, yeah. Why well, am I yeah. helping you anyway? I don't know. Um, who's the goalie now? It's not the little small fella, is it? It's Robert, Robert Sanchez. He the played little, in goal. The little small fella. Um, he's played for Spain recently. Uh, and we're going to end up going through the whole squad here. I think they've got 12. Incorrect, Darren. So how many do they have in this? How many internationals how many, exactly. do they have in this squad? It yeah. depends how much what you count as the squad, doesn't it? Well, I'm counting all 26. I would say 14. Incorrect. Crook. Yeah, see, I need to get this. Alariza Jahambach, by the way, is, is back in Holland now permanently. Um, so he's not one of them. Uh, so they've got Sanchez, the goalkeeper. I think uh, Kukureya, has, he played for Spain at the Olympics. Does that make him a footy Alex, team? Alex, oh. Alex, what are you looking just give, at? Just give us a number. <laughs> what did you say? What are you looking at? Well, you must I'm, have I'm, done some sort of Googling in order to find that stuff out about um, Jahanbach. So I, I Googled Jahanbach, yeah, to put you right. right so I'll go 14. I'll go 14. So, you, so 14. you Googled a player that could have been in the squad, that you thought was in the squad. So that is technically cheating. So you no, should no. be eliminated from the I knew he wasn't quiz. in the squad. I was correcting you. you 14. Let's all just calm down. All right. You're all incorrect. It was eight players. Wow. Right. <laughs> they sold the little fella that used to play in gold, didn't they? Yes, Matt Ryan, your friend. Listen, you, you, you just went very Jackie Weaver there. Do you know that? <laughs> yeah, I have authority. <laughs> it's cool. To disrupt this meeting, I will have to remove you from it. You can't. It's only the chairman who can remove people from a meeting. You have no authority here, Jackie Weaver. No authority at all. 
She's just kicked him out. Crook, you're going to love this. <sighs> Am I? So, during the build of the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, there were many rumours of a cheese room being built. Sadly, the plans never went ahead. But, Crook, can you tell me which animal's milk is used to make Manchego cheese? You winded me up. <laughs> you used to work on a cheese counter at Safeway. You should know this. Goat. Incorrect. Sam. Bison. No. Darren. Bison? <laughs> you know what? I think he's one of Brighton's eight internationals, by the way. Do you know what? Bison? Isn't a bison a, a male? A male? How, why would it's it have it, milk? It's a hoover, isn't it? It's the sheep. Correct, Darren, it is a sheep. Oh, Google is your friend. Wow. No, 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 look, you see me. I don't actually, I'm not brazen enough to Google it and then look at it while I'm actually <laughs> broadcasting. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to cheat, Alex, at least do it properly. Leicester against Newcastle this weekend. Newcastle won for the first time. And although it seemed a little bit cheesy, the unity they showed in the picture afterwards might hold them in good stead going forward. Um, They should have beaten Norwich. They weren't that bad against Arsenal. Could they trouble Leicester, Alex? Yes, I think they could. uh, Because Leicester themselves have got a few players unavailable for the weekend. Obviously, they'll go into it on the back of a huge game for them in the Europa League against Napoli on Thursday. I actually quite like that sense of unity that Newcastle showed. And I'm very cynical. Usually that's something that I would frown upon, but I think it's what's been lacking uh, at that club. Eddie Howe and Jason Tindall and the staff have already uh, brought the players together. And I think performances have improved. I agree with you. They weren't that bad against Arsenal. They've beaten Norwich, but the Kieran Clark's moment of madness and they deserve to win the game against Burnley. You look at the four games they've got coming up uh, between now and the turn of the year. Th- yeah. This is the one where I think they can get something out of it. I think the other three, very difficult, but this is a good time to play Leicester and I wouldn't rule out Newcastle for picking up at least a point. They play Manchester City soon. Next Thursday, live on TalkSport, they go to Liverpool. Tough for Eddie Howe, tough for Newcastle United. Uh, they're taking on a Leicester side that have conceded 27 goals in the Premier League alone this season. That's only fewer than Watford, Norwich and Newcastle themselves, Darren. Injuries have been a problem, but actually, you know, Brendan Rodgers really needs to find a solution to that. That's his job because this has been going on for far too long. Yeah, no clean sheet in goodness knows how long. And I think as far as Rodgers is concerned, it hasn't really helped that he'd been linked with uh, Manchester United for a bit. In fact, ever since he'd been linked with Manchester United, his form, the form of the club's gone off a cliff. Um, but they have picked it up a little bit. They beat Legia Warsaw, they beat Watford, but then you'd expect them to beat both those teams as well as Southampton, who they were held by. So I'm not really sure about this result, uh, this game at all. I wonder if Newcastle actually could spring a surprise. The one thing I think will happen in this game, there will not be a clean sheet at all. Neither side can defend. Okay. Uh, Burnley against West Ham. Can't believe we've mentioned clean sheets and then gone straight into West Ham, especially with you two around. Um, Where is our dinner, by the way? We'll get to that another time. Uh, Burnley, West Ham uh, this weekend, um, Sunday afternoon. And um, West Ham's... Team for the uh, Thursday night game, almost unrecognisable to what you'll see on uh, Sunday. Um, I was told prior to the game, you won't recognise some of the names in our defence. So uh, basically, this is an opportunity really for them to try and get uh, Mikel Antonio back on form, isn't it? Because this is a guy who's dried up in front of goal and it's a reason why West Ham are looking 
for a new striker in the January transfer window, Alex? Yeah, that new striker could well be uh, Darren's mate, Divock Origi. I think that'd be a really good fit for West Ham. And I think they do need a backup option uh, to Antonio. As you say, that the goals have dried up for him. And I think the goals will dry up for Burnley now as well without Maxwell Corneau. He's been an excellent signing from J- Sean Dyche. Really a, a very un-Burnley-like addition to the squad. He's a very cultured player. Clearly got an eye for goal as well. He'll be a massive loss. I think this is a great opportunity for West Ham to really... Uh, cement themselves in that top four. I don't think they will finish in the Champions League places, but I think they're certainly uh, going to add an extra dynamic to that battle and an extra problem for the likes of Manchester United and, and possibly Tottenham. You keep what? saying it. He keeps saying they're not going to finish in the top four because he's just trying to convince himself that Manchester United will. That's what it is. Because actually, you know, West Ham have beaten all of the teams that they're competing with in that area. They've beaten Manchester City on penalties in the Carabao Cup. They've beaten Chelsea. They've beaten Liverpool. Um, They should have got something out of their game with uh, Manchester United. They did beat them at Old Trafford in the Carabao Cup. So, you know, they're a good team. They are. But again, I talk about squad depth. I I really like the the look of Manchester United's fixtures now, right up until March, I think they said on television last night. They don't play anybody in the top four until March. There's a great opportunity for... Ralph Rangnick really to put some points on the board. And I just don't think the West Ham squad is deep enough. If you look at the options coming off the bench, there's plenty of them. They've got a lot of number 10s. How many match winners? Well, that's why they're going to go and spend in January. I think they'll sign a central defender in January at least, and they'll buy a striker. And by the way, didn't Manchester United lose to Watford? (laughs) That was under a different time. All right, okay. Listen, listen, Crook, I can't let you... That's. I'm sorry, that's just... Nonsense. How many match winners? Remind me who they've beaten again this season. Both Manchester clubs in the Carabao Cup, Liverpool in the Premier League, Chelsea, Chelsea in the Premier, Premier League. League as well. They're also top of their uh, Europa League group as well. They've won their Europa League group with a game to spare. Which and they is- won't have to play until the next round, the round after the next round of the Europa League because they've won the group. So they get an extra round off. I just, I can't believe what you're saying, Sam. It just, sorry. No, I'm talking about don't. the bench. You know, do you, if you're going in, if you're going into the, the closing stage the of a season, you're competing in the top the four. Well, no, the benches are going to be important, Darren. Well, well hang on a minute. Bench. Hang on, hang on. The bench is important, but that's why Hughes is a completely different side in the Europa League to yeah. the one he uses in the Premier League. He might not do that as they go deep into the draw, though. What if they draw Barcelona? In that, they're already, in that they're already deep into the draw. They're already deep in the draw, and by which time they would have added at least two new players, including I, exactly. a centre forward and a centre back. I, I think he's going to have to use more of his Premier League regulars in the Europa League. I think that will be another factor. And I look at the bench: Lanzini, Yarmolenko, Vlasic. They're tidy players. Are they going to pick pick you up crucial points at the business end of a season? I'm not convinced. Listen, but 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 listen. How long is a piece of string? The fact is, right now. They are, this is their best ever start to a season. They're fourth in the Premier League. They've pulled off big results against big teams. So, so the idea that they don't have match winners just doesn't make sense. They are top of the Europa League group. They are into the last day of the Carabao Cup. They could easily win that competition. When I look at the teams that are still in that competition, there is nothing to frighten them at all. Nothing at all. I, I, hope, they do. I hope they do win that. I'll tell you what, Darren, do you want to do a double or, double or quits on our bet? Two dinners. Yeah. Two dinners, West Ham don't finish in the top four. I just want one dinner. One dinner's fine. Uh, Burnley uh, obviously will bring a a physical approach. A trip to Burnley just a few days after the Europa League tie isn't isn't great, but because I know that we all know they've changed the whole entire team, that makes it a little bit easier for them. The Clarets have won just one league game all season. 
And they let in more goals than they did before. I think West Ham probably should see this as uh, three points in the offing. Although we'll wait and see on Sunday afternoon. Crystal Palace against Everton. Everton beat Arsenal Monday night with a terrific last 20-minute turnaround. But this will be another stern test for Rafa and his men against Palace. Although, whisper it quietly, Palace have lost the last three in a row. And before that, drew with Burnley. Mm. Will the narrative change, Darren? Uh, yeah, I think it could easily change because um, Everton played well the other night. They were at home. They were in front of a, 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 their own fans. They were motivated. It'd been a tough previous, a tough preceding few days and they were at it. But I think Palace have quality and they'll be at it in front of their own fans. I think the teams they lost against, they, they you'd expect them to lose against, really. So, no, I think that Palace could stop that rot against Everton. If we're going on the Christmas hamper theme, I think uh, Everton would be an eBay hamper. You know, there's there's one or two bargains in there that, that Rafa Benitez has picked up, but also some expensive purchases that maybe the owners regret. You know, someone's going to send us a hamper now, don't you? Someone's going to say, what about us? You mentioned Tesco's hamper and Fortnum and Mason and all those other expensive ones that Sam likes to partake from. What about I us? I hope so. Yeah. That'd be great. Lots of cheese, please. Love yeah, a bit of cheese. I'm, I'm still hungry. I haven't eaten since you promised to buy us dinner. Um, right, okay. Manchego cheese. Man- Manchego cheese. cheese. Yeah, from, from the milk of a bison. Um, right. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's it from uh, us merry gentlemen. Um, we'll be back on uh, Sunday night when we review all of the weekend's action. Look ahead to 10 Premier League games this week. And all 10 Premier League games are live on TalkSport on Tuesday night, Wednesday night and Thursday night via TalkSport, um, TalkSport 2 and the TalkSport app. So if you haven't downloaded it yet, then please do so from the Google Play Store or the Apple iOS Store. You can flick between all the games. Crook will be doing a commentary down at Brighton, I think, on Wednesday. Is that you're doing that? Yep, myself and Paul Parker. Looking forward to that one. You're yeah, doing I'm, the other nine, aren't you? I'm doing... No, I'm not. I'm doing Tuesday night, uh, which is... What am I doing? Tuesday night. I'm supposed to be doing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but I've been asked to go to Barrow Ipswich on Wednesday. Uh, so that's sort of taken me out of Arsenal, West Ham. So I'm doing Tuesday night, um, which is Brentford, Manchester United, and Thursday night, Liverpool against Newcastle. So very much looking forward uh, to that. Uh, thank you very much for listening to us. Uh, please tell everybody about the uh, game day podcast from talk sport and we'll see you saturday for game day live on the world's biggest sports radio station the premier league all access podcast is proud to be brought to you by ladbrooks the latest odds we set them form guides we've got them expert opinions we share them the best fans in the world deserve the best be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply.